What's up my fellow scruffy looking nerf herders and welcome to the Carbonite Chat. Today is part two of my Avengers Infinity War breakdown. I went through all the explanations of everything that's kind of going to be going on in the first one. So if you haven't seen that, then please go check that out. I detail some key information on why you shouldn't hate on me because I'm talking about some negative things. I don't dislike the movie. I don't hate the movie. It's constructive criticism is what I'm giving to it, as well as talking about a lot of the things that I really like. But because these are multiple parts, because it's really long, I'm not going through it again. So check before if you're going to talk about something down below that doesn't really have anything to do constructive to the conversation. And with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into scene 10. Here we got a lot of the more build up with Thanos and Gamora. This is kind of the meat of the story and it kind of breaking down and explaining what makes Thanos who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. Again, as I said in the prior video, I love what they did with Thanos. This is very much on a much larger galactic scale. Very similar to what they did with Killmonger and kind of the reasoning and making him somewhat sympathetic where you understand kind of where he's come to but you don't agree with his full solution for like, you know, let's kill a bunch of people because this happened. But you're sympathetic to him. He's not just this evil character, and I really like that. And I also like the fact, because it's leading to, again, spoilers in this. If you didn't see the prior video, I'm going scene by scene. I'm spoiling it. So last warning on this video. He's, he's talking about why he needs to destroy everyone or destroy half the galaxy. And you're understanding that. And it's building up him and Gamora because... Shortly after this, he's going to have to sacrifice Gamora for his goal. And you haven't seen them as much together. I think there's been a few little parts in post-credit scenes or during maybe Thor Dark World. It's been so long. I think you've maybe seen them together a little bit, but not much. So seeing them on screen together is very important. You've seen the backstory where when he first found her, and now you've seen that she actually does care for him, even though she hates him. Um, it's a very interesting little note with, you know, love and hate's very closely kind of combined in that, you know, it's that strong emotion that allows you to hate someone or love them. But anyways, not getting all into that, he sees it and now he understands that she loves him. And it just kind of almost fuels him to go even further, where he sees that his love wasn't wrong. He doesn't love Nebula, that's clear, but he does love Gamora and he understands and he kind of hopes that she would be the one with him. I believe in the comics, all of this is happening because of his love for death, but I like how they've connected it to Gamora in this and that it really is his love for her and he views himself as a savior. There's a lot of other little underlining things that I'll get to later much with the whole father thing, how it's called the children of Thanos and how he speaks to a lot of the characters, Gamora particularly where he sees himself as like the father figure, where he's got to step up and do what others couldn't. Like we find out later on Titan, they can't, you know, they couldn't decide to do what was best for everyone else. They were, you know, as overlookers, as father parenting figures, they couldn't make the hard decision. And this is what he says to Dr. Strange, you know, it takes this strong will to be able to do something like this. And... He's seen that strong will in Gamora. I think he's trying to make her understand what's going on, but she obviously is not because she doesn't make that step. And 
to him, it's just, it's, it's a little bit of a letdown as he mentions in this scene because she is smart. She is his favorite and he wants to be seen as a savior. And he doesn't care what anyone else thinks, but he does care what Gamora thinks. And I, I really like this because, again, it's building up this emotion for this character. And this character is so strong, so powerful. No one can really compete with him that we have in this now. Uh, there's possibilities that Captain Marvel will be able to compete with him. Uh, if an Adam Warlock shows up later, he would be able to compete with him. But what we've got in this movie can't compete with him. And so you need him to have this kind of emotional touch to him something deeper and more to make him a bigger and better character especially since this is Thanos story so then they go and you kind of get that reveal of the secret which I said in the prior video it didn't do much for me it was the setup of there's this secret you need to kill me because if he finds me he'll find out the secret and then for it to just be like no nah, it wasn't as big a, like you made it into a bigger deal maybe I just thought it was a bigger deal maybe I was looking for some kind of big thing that was coming that didn't end up coming and it was just this moment where it was a character who just had some information that Thanos couldn't get other than her but she's willing to make to try to ask Quill to kill her but she's not willing to let her sister die and then that plays with the Captain America thing of where we don't trade lives kind of moment where she can't she's not willing to save the universe by killing her sister that ultimately gets her killed because Thanos is willing to kill whoever to save the universe. He's able to make this tough decision. And when we get to later, that may be what is ultimately what Doctor Strange is able to do as well. He's willing to die to save the universe. Unlike Gamora was willing to do here, but we'll get in depth on that once we get there. But she, he ends up finding the information, finds out that she knows where it was, and finds it out from Nebula. And so then we go to scene 11. I love the build up here with Thor and Rocket and their kind of relationship. Um, it's really great. It's one of my favorite parts of it. I wish we would have gotten a little more than just this kind of one thing with them, especially because Thor set up in the first scene gives him a really, you know, gives him a true drive through the story. And I feel like it lacked a little bit in this where you have this one scene that is beautiful and when they do the emotion in this movie they do it brilliantly and that's when rocket goes and talks to thor and kind of discusses with him you know what's going on and there's this really real human moment with thor that we can all connect to and that's something great for us to get kind of empathetic for the characters when we're talking about a norse god that can do all these things and you've got these creatures that are going to snap their fingers and destroy the world being able to understand loss and that feeling of loss and that feeling like there's nothing that you have to lose and i'm a little in on the kind of quippy points with rocket about how he kind of makes the thing like you know i've got a lot to lose it's not as bad it doesn't really take away from the moment so i'm okay with that but it's uh I really love this moment and these are some of the moments that they did in this movie really really well. When they want to do the emotion they did it well in this movie. I just think with some of the points as I mentioned in my prior video they skip too long between you have one moment and the next and a lot of that I'll cover as we get towards the third act because that's when a lot of these moments don't hit as hard as they could have hit if they would have been able to kind of been expressed better throughout the entire movie but you have the Thor and uh, rocket part and it's really great and then they get there 
And I love the reveal of Peter Dinklage. Uh, I love it at the beginning. It's Peter Dinklage. I actually almost like laughed out loud in the theater because it's like his dream role. It's a dwarf, but he's bigger than everyone else. And I, I love this. This is pure humor from just the character and who we know for the real life person. It was absolutely brilliant. And like I said, it's a dream role for him. The problem with me is his voice. As it went on, it started to bother me. The humor of the situation kind of ran thin a little bit. And it seemed like that one little spot, they broke it into like three to four different scenes. And it just didn't quite do as much for me as it, it kind of, like I said, runs thin a little bit, particularly with the Peter Dinklage character. I love the Thor stuff. I love how Groot shows up at the end and to, you know, help be able to put together and you know his Stormbreaker I believe it is and save Thor and then also Rocket and his true care for Thor which again is another great character building thing with Rocket he doesn't really have an arc in this movie but it's an arc from the very beginning when we first saw him he's actually willing to show that he cares to go out of his way to help someone to really you know hope for this character to survive and to do well and it shows this is just growth in the character and i really like that if you're looking at it from the scope of the entire storyline that marvel's doing i really enjoyed that i did kind of you know like the bit of humor that they had just because again it fits with storyline it wasn't the funniest bit that they had done but when he made the comment when he's going to put the eye in, he's like hey i wouldn't have put that eye in uh i had to hide it and, the, and then the alarm goes off and you know, obviously you know where you had to hit it i actually thought it was a joke at first when he said the eye's not working everything i see is is black and he's like that's not the eye First, I thought that was a reference to the prior joke that was cut off, but apparently it was a joke to, after rewatching it again, it was a joke to that the sun, the little star, was uh, basically dead because of, you know, what Thanos had done. Then we have a quick scene in scene 12, and I'll even add 13. Here we have the quick, very quick thing with Nebula, which I'm not the biggest fan of, where she gets free and then she calls and tells Mantis, where Thanos is going to go, where they need to go, which is obviously basically just a setup to be able to make sure that they end up meeting with Tony and his Avengers. But I don't like the Nebula thing because she comes in later. It doesn't really have that much of effect. She just kind of crashes in and then she ruins everything. Everyone's blaming Quill, but it's her fault. I mean, she's the one that, you know, Quill's to blame, but we'll get to that because there's a lot of things that I kind of, I think there's a way to fix this to have made it where people don't hate on Quill for making this dumb mistake and where you actually are empathetic towards him and understanding for his decision as opposed to like you can be but I think they could have done it in the movie a little bit better more of a show to be able to make you understand and grasp and feel for Quill in that moment but Nebula was just pointless and it, this was just used to call so this is a quick little cut and this is where I talk about the flow kind of starts to get off and I understand there's so many characters they got to do these and here's a four or five scenes here with these kind of short one two minute long scenes and I just you know don't like this but again they got to explain why the Guardians end up getting to where you know Tony and them are on Titan but they show up you have the kind of joke again with Spider-Man and again at least it's setting up the story I don't have a problem with it then they start to have their kind of fight their dispute going back and forth each one thinks that the others with Thanos 
and they kind of understand and come to agreement that, oh, okay, we're on the same side here. Nice little, you know, because they understood because Thor mentioned who the Avengers was. So they kind of got a grasp and know who they are. But one thing that I kind of, I feel like there's a purpose behind it, but I can't figure it out. So if anyone knows this, please tell me. I feel like when Drax says, why Gamora, that has some meaning to it. There's something to that that I'm not putting together. Like, I can't figure out what it is. Maybe I'm looking too much into this. Maybe I'm just kind of stretching it out to try to find meaning in every little thing. But I feel like that means something. We may not realize what it means until part two, but there's something there that I just... I and if you know it, please, please tell me because I want to know and I can't figure it out for myself. I feel like it has to do with something with Thanos and ultimately why Gamora is her death is what gives him the soul stone, which allows him to be able to do all this different stuff. So I, I feel like there's something there and it's driving me crazy. But anyways, scenes 14 and 15. Here again is another quick thing that I just, why um, is the Thor and Rocket going back and it's you know explaining that hey we're gonna try to do it so yeah let's get the weapon together that we're gonna do it <laughs> it's like well we knew that you didn't need to have this scene like it's just you know a bit of a waste I'll get to again why this bothers me a little bit because you'll notice there's one group of characters that are going to be very big in the third act that we're not seeing anything about we're not cutting back to them why aren't we cutting back to them we're cutting back to these little minor moments for these other characters, but we're not cutting back to a group that's going to be a very important part in the end of the movie. And so then the other one is we go back to the Avengers group with Tony and the Guardians, and they're discussing you know what plan to make. There's some funny little moments there with the Footloose thing that's really funny. And it's I also like that it's setting up the idea that they have a plan. So as you're watching it unfold, you're trying to piece together what is the plan, how are they putting it together, and that's which I prefer this. I think the fight on Titan is done really well. I think the fight on at Wakanda is not done really well. And there's a lot of reasons to that. One, I mentioned that there's not any characters. You don't see them in the second act. We go like an hour without ever seeing them, and that's just stupid. And there's, you've got to do the meanwhile back at the ranch kind of moments where you go, hey, remember there, you know, an hour ago when Captain America said, like, oh, I know a place we can go. And you took a one minute bit to show Wakanda and Black Panther talking to, you know, Bucky. But then there's nothing. And then ultimately we don't get to Wakanda until an hour and a half into the movie. And then we have to pass through these moments so quickly when there's a lot of things that could have been done to build up this story and particularly... Nothing happens with Captain America. He has no storyline at all. Like, nothing. This is one of the most in-depth characters we have in this universe. His trilogy is the best that Marvel's had to offer, in my opinion, of just really digging into a character. And then we're just nothing. There's nothing to him. He's just one note throughout this entire movie. And that's unfortunate. And then we just had Black Panther. We just had Wakanda. It's a great time to put in a situation where we'll feel comfortable and at home because we just spent the last movie there. 
And then also the ending, as I mentioned, has got Scarlet Witch and Vision, and they had a great setup at the beginning, but then there's nothing else there the rest of the movie until the very end. And even there's one little part in the third act where it's like she's kind of looking over Vision, but there's nothing really to kind of continue and remind us about this emotional thing, this decision that they're going to have to make. That's the decision that kind of floats over the entire movie about is Scarlet Witch going to be willing to kill Vision? And some of the emotion that goes into that and plays into that. It's done well at the end, but it would have been so much better if they would have done something in the second act. But instead, they're just nowhere to be found. And we're having these little things. But then also, there's just kind of no grasp of an idea for a plan that they have. And again, if we would have had this moment where there was a setup, where there's some time to discuss and talk what's going on with Wakanda then I just I think the battle would have been a, a little bit better. You would have had an idea. It just wouldn't have been this kind of chaotic sense that you get more so with the Wakanda than you get with Titan. But I'll get to the Wakanda thing. I'm getting off topic, and I don't need to chase that rabbit quite yet. But then you have the very, very important scene in the movie, which is Doctor Strange going forward and seeing the future. It's when this, that he sees the future, that he says there's only one choice to there's only one thing that you can do and this is one of those little nuggets and the pieces that not that i mean they're obvious so they're not that hidden to give an idea of every decision that dr strange makes all of his comments are very important we had the comment when they were flying before they got to titan when they're trying to decide whether they go to titan or back to earth where he says i'll i will let you die i will let spider-man die I'm protecting the universe. And now he knows exactly what needs to be done. So all these decisions that he makes are important. Later on, he'll say, now we're in the end game. And, you know, he, he knows what's happening here. So these aren't just like blind decisions. He didn't become weak. If he saves Tony at the end, there's a reason. He thinks that Tony has the best possibility to help out the universe as a whole. And that's what I said, where I think he's the one that has the will. And that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. I'll get to that when we get to the Titan parts. Here we have Thanos and Gamora, and they're going to get the Soul Stone. Now, this, again, is something that I think is so important to understanding the movie. They're heading up there, and Red Skull ends up talking, and he says that you're going to have to pay a terrible price. And Thanos says, I'm ready to pay whatever, and he says, that's what we all think, but we're all wrong. And I think this is going to be something that really affects part two. So again, like I said, what's the why Gamora thing? I think that there's a lot. I think this movie's smarter than a lot of people are playing. A lot of people are like, oh, it's just an event film. It's just a pop, dumb popcorn blockbuster. And to some extent it is. But I think it's a bit smarter than some people are giving it credit for. I think there's a lot of little things in here. And I don't think that they built all this stuff up and they just kind of threw out a dumb film. Like, I think there's a lot in here. And I think this is one of them. Because at the end, after everything happens, the first thing he does is he goes into this spot, which is kind of confusing, where he sees the young Gamora again. And he's, you know, she's like, what did it cost you? He's like, it cost me everything. I think that's very telling that his first thing, when he does the snap, that he goes and he, he sees Gamora as a child. He says to Scarlet Witch at the end, he's like, you, you have no idea what I've given up today. You could never understand it. And this is really digging in deeper. I think people underestimate his true love for Gamora and what has gone on in this and the loss that he's going to give up. And I don't even think he fully understands it. But you see how much he's all for no matter what, I'm going to do whatever it takes 
to save this galaxy. Yet, he mentions in the comment to her, when he's when he realized he turned around and he's crying, he's given up on his dream once. We've seen all this stuff where this entire time he will do anything and everything to achieve his goal. But he loves her so much that one time, at one point, we didn't get to see, but it's a nice little note that's so quick, so many people pass over it, that he's given up on this before because of her, but he won't do it again. That shows how much he loves her because the only thing we've ever seen this character ever focus on or think about is doing this to be able to save the galaxy in his mind. Yet he gave it all up, his whole dream, his desire, his calling in life for her. This is how much he loves her. So it's very meaningful that he tosses her off. And then it's also meaningful that after he snaps, the first thing he sees is her. And I think in the second movie, that's going to be something that affects it. Um, a lot of people talk about in the comics that one of the biggest things with Thanos is that he ends up kind of hurting himself. That he ends loses to the Avengers because he ends up screwing himself over. And I think that that's kind of going to be what's going to happen here. Is that I think that ultimately his pain and hurt for the loss of Gamora is going to cause him to weaken himself and do something that ends up causing him to lose. And I think this line by Red Skull that gets passed off so quickly that you're going to end up, you know, everyone thinks it and everyone ends up being wrong. And I think that, I think this whole scene and everything is incredibly important. I also think this is the end of Act 2. Now we head to Wakanda. This is where I think one of the largest failures of the movie is. Um, you know, I've been mentioning that they haven't done the meanwhile back at the ranch. I talked about that most likely this is kind of where you know, just we just ended Act 2. We're getting into Act 3. This is where the climax of everything is. The big battles that are happening. And we're now we're in Wakanda. We haven't seen Wakanda, but for one minute of the entire film, we're at an hour and a half into the movie right now. We're going to have about a 45-minute Act 3. And, you know, again, I, I said I'd break down the structures at another point because the structures are very interesting, and I think that ultimately it fits to many different ones, and you can kind of put you know, five act and different structures on this film. And then if you consider that it's part one of two and the two films are going to be very distinctly combined and really one large movie. And so what's the act structure over the two movies combined and get into all that. So it's a rough estimation of the end of act two heading into act three. This is going to be one of two big battles happening at the end of the movie. And we've had one minute of Wakanda, and yet Wakanda is going to be one of the big battles. And two scenes from now, one of the characters is going to mention this is going to be the end of Wakanda. And that works if it's a Netflix binge and you've just, you're watching them all in order and you watch Black Panther last and you're like, oh man, we just spent this entire time at Wakanda and they struggled through everything and, you know, the whole point was trying to protect Wakanda from the outside world and now they just decided to like reveal themselves to the world and now it's going to be the end of Wakanda. And it's like, wow, you know, that kind of, it's a big emotional kind of moment. But for this movie specifically, we've spent zero time in Wakanda. None. Say you haven't watched Black Panther or say you only watched it at the opening night, which is kind of what's true for me. I, I may have watched it one other time. I can't remember. I think it was only opening night. It's like, yeah, I, I, I get it. But you have that. And then even if you ignore the Wakanda part with the Captain America, his, his group of Avengers, we've only had them 11 minutes out of the hour and a half so far. 11 minutes. 
and we didn't see them for basically all of the second act. It was just hopping back and forth between Thanos, Thor, the Guardians, and Tony's Avengers. Yet the vast chunk of the third act battle is going to be between them and then my complaints from before, the other villains that don't have much speaking roles, we haven't had much time with, they haven't had any success so far. So it kind of loses some of the emotion and then you add in that the very end is Thanos kind of destroying through them. And it's even when you know Thanos shows up, he's got all of the stones um, and stuff at the time. And he just kind of tosses them away so quickly. And I understand they had to do that for the time. But then you get to the point at the very end where it's Scarlet Witch and Vision. Yeah, again, we haven't seen them in any of the prior movies really have a, you know, really get into their relationship too much. We had a little bit with Civil War, but not too much. And you started it off at this movie, and this is where I said, and I believe part one, how they set up a lot of things really well at the first part, and then didn't do anything with them in the second act, and then wants to remind you of them in the third act. And I think that if they would have been bringing them together throughout this entire time, like piecing it in in the second act, it could have been done, like it would have been a lot more emotional. And they tried to rush everything in in like three and a half minutes right here of Wakanda time before we then jump into All Out War. And one thing I'll say, because I kind of hit on the humor parts a little bit, and now we've got these humorous moments, and particularly that Thor and the, you know, Star-Lord moments, and it's just, we're going through wasted time, and then the time with Drax, where we lose these points, but we couldn't go back and show what was going on with Wakanda, or we couldn't have had Cap and them get to Wakanda much earlier. And this one little humorous part with the, you know, Bruce Banner where he goes to Neil and stuff, that's funny, and it's somewhat fitting with the it's fine in the fact that we just had a huge emotional kind of moment with Gamora and Thanos and then it kind of gives us this kind of break this kind of ease of tension before we start ramping the tension back up which that's fine that's a well-placed bit of humor it's funny it fits somewhat with the story it doesn't really take away from the moments of the story but here's where I think this part should have been going on much earlier in second act. The first thing we get to is, hey, something's wrong with Vision. And then, boom, the chick kind of does the thing and says, hey, what if you would have done this? And it's like, oh, wow, okay, that's great. I get it. She's smart. She's brilliant. She figures everything else out. Wouldn't it have been more interesting, though, if when they get there, first off, what, you have this thing with Cap that I mentioned that Cap has no storyline at all. He's one of the main characters. He's one of the few characters that has actually had a trilogy so far and uh, dug into his character more than anyone else. And one of his biggest things is the thing with him and Bucky. And then there's just this little meeting like, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, okay. All right, let's move on. And then Bucky isn't even with him after that point. <laughs> it's, it's Bucky with Rhodey, I believe. Why? It's such a waste of such of an emotional thing, yet there's no tie-in, there's nothing here. Why not in the battle scene that you, we get to see them fighting hand-in-hand hand again, and one of them almost gets hurt, or Bucky gets his arm ripped off, or something happens to Captain, and Bucky has to say, like, something along with those lines, but... No, it's just Cap and Black Panther, and I get that, you know, Black Panther just had a huge movie, and Black Panther's a great character, and I, I love Black Panther in Civil War, he was great. But I just feel like it was kind of like, oh, these two character names are bigger, so they should be the main focus. But then back to what I was saying with the girl, wouldn't it have been much better if we would have done more like with Age of Ultron, 
where you have Tony and Bruce's back and forth as they're talking, you're trying to figure out and find what's going on. You could have had him and her going back and forth at the middle of act two and the entire time them studying over and looking over vision trying to figure out you know, what is it that could be done and this could be keeping them intact and while they're doing that you could have vision and scarlet witch talking back over between each other where vision's like look if they're not going to be able to find this then you're going to have to kill me and they're continuing that emotion that connection between those two characters that are leading into that final thing so it's constantly reminded and it's not an hour skip between it actually happens. And then while that's going on, you could also have Bucky, Cap, and Black Panther walking over, discussing and talking about like battle strategies. For, like when they show up, what can we do? Here's how we need to do this. Here's the plan that we need to do. And so you're giving them some time together. And so act two could have not, instead of just being skipping back between the Tony Avenger group, the Guardians and Thanos, it could have been that. And then you could have added in the Captain America in this part, and it could slowly be eased in between each part. I don't see why you couldn't have put in, you know, 10 minutes of them in this, you know, during this second act. Drag out the suspension of what's going on, and it'd be, you know, 10 minutes or so of this time to build all these characters up, establish them in Wakanda, build them up, set up their kind of battle plan that they're putting together. You can let it so that you have this battle plan idea and then you see it falling apart, which adds kind of almost an act one, two, and three structure to the battle itself, which is what very smart battles do in very good movies. And then you also are building up the whole thing with Vision and Black Widow, or Black Widow, Scarlet Witch. But instead, it's just like because they wasted and they didn't do anything to them in Act 2, the second they get there, they have to solve it. Okay, that's it. She knows how to do it. Boom. Let's move on. Okay? <laughs> if, if you took out everything else and you just watched the movie as a whole with just the, Cap the Captain America Avengers group, Vision, and then the Wakanda scenes, and you put that in one, one movie, it doesn't work. It would be awful. Because there's nothing to anything that's going on. The emotion, there's not, not anything there. You, you trick yourself into believing there is because there's emotion in the other stories. Think about the buildup between Doctor Strange's relationship with Tony Stark and Tony Stark with Spider-Man. And then what's going on with the Guardians and Thanos. And then what ends up happening with the Guardians and Tony Stark and them joining together. And then them putting, taking some time to build up their plans. And then what's going on with just Thor and Rocket. You could have had three stories that you're hopping back between. Where you're going between the Tony Stark and the Avengers. Uh, his Avengers. And the Guardians of the Galaxy. And you could have had Thanos' story as well as what's going on with the Wakanda group. And then inlaid between those is short clips of Thor. It's hard to give Thor too much time, and he doesn't need that much time. He didn't have that much time in the movie as a whole. Most of his shots are quite short. So in between each one of those, or not each one, but like every other one, throw in one to two minutes of, hey, here's what's going on with Thor, kind of like what you see happen in the next scene. But instead, they just like, oh, let's just push that off. 
And I think that was a waste. I think it kind of hurts the film a little bit. Again, I like the film. I think the film was really, really good. But I'm trying to point out, give some, you know, criticism here that could be, you know, taken to improve upon it. Improve upon an already very good movie. But I think this is one of the big issues that they had. That we're an hour and a half into the film. We've only spent a one minute in Wakanda. Yet that's where the final battle is going to happen. And then... They have comments like, oh, here goes Wakanda. Wakanda's going to, you know, die now. And then you have the comments like, you know, uh, you know, we're supposed to care and be so emotionally attached to Vision and Scarlet Witch, yet we've had small amounts of them together. That's why, to me, Tony and Spider-Man, you know, Peter Parker's, you know, disappearing act there, that was, to me, the most emotional moment, other than the Thanos and Gamora stuff. And the reason is because we spent the most time with them. They took the time to develop that situation. And I think Scarlet Witch and Vision needed that time. But I also think you could have spent more time to develop a plan, to develop some camaraderie between Captain America, Black Panther, and Bucky all together as one. And you also could have taken the time to add some suspense and build up the time to where, yeah, we're being told that they don't have enough time to fix Vision, and she says that it could take a long time and need as much time as needed. So you could have started that in the second act. And you could have had this period of time where Bruce Banner and her are going and creating this back and forth. Yeah, she's really smart and fine. She can be the smartest person. But Bruce Banner's really smart too. It's interesting because we like these characters to see them have this back and forth, discussing ideas, throwing around. Bruce can be in awe of some of the you know technological things that they have there. And starting to figure things out. And then he can start to, you know, figure out, well, what about if we use this and that? And then she, you know, understands like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I like that idea. I'm not concerned that. And then, oh, okay, well, here it is. What if we did this? And it's like, he's just like, whoa, wait, what? And she's, you've never considered that before? Like, no, I haven't. It's like, boom, okay, she solved it. But you do it over a couple minutes. And it builds suspense as you're popping through these suspenseful moments. What's going to happen? Are they going to be able to solve something with Vision is going on in Act 2? As Howard's Captain America and them going to be able to figure out a plan. While we've got Scarlet Witch and Vision trying to figure out like, you know, what's what are we going to do here? They're having to deal with their emotional relationship. Much like Thanos and Gamora have to deal with it. Gamora doesn't have the, the love for Thanos that Thanos has. But in Thanos' mind, it's this struggle of, you know, what he's doing with someone he loves. Much like Scarlet Witch is struggling with the scenario of possibly losing someone that she loves. And then as Tony's Avengers with the Guardians are trying to put together a plan, you know, that's what could be going on with Captain America and Black Panther. And then on the same note, while Thor's trying to figure out how to be able to get this weapon to be able to defeat Thanos, Bruce Banner and uh, the girl are trying to figure out the plan for how they can be able to get the Time Stone away from Vision to be able to save Vision. And in the same instance, Gamora is dealing with the struggle of what she's going to be able to do when she, you know, she's with Thanos and she would rather just be dead than this happen. While Vision's in the same scenario. So see, you can combine these themes that kind of fit and kind of work together. And so they can bounce from one to the other. So that emotionally you're following the same line. And you're following a suspense of one scene for like two to three minutes. But that similar suspense is connected to the other character's suspense and struggle that they're going through. So that you're always in the same kind of emotional tone 
even though you're hopping from one to the other. And this is where I think that they've, they've failed a little bit on how it got built up and how it worked out and how it fit with jumping from scene to scene. And I understand, again, these people are smarter than me. They are, they created and made this huge, humongous film with so many characters that most people would never consider as even possible. And all I'm doing is looking at what they did and making slight adjustments. That's all I'm doing. And I just think that, you know, with everything going on, that these little things could have just improved it to make the flow and the movie feel so much better and not as disjointed and make the emotion and the suspense feel like it's continually going on throughout. Think about Dunkirk, if you've seen that, and what Christopher Nolan is so brilliant at. And Christopher Nolan spent his entire time working on films and movies where the story structure is always a meanwhile back at the ranch. And if you don't know what meanwhile back at the ranch is a Star Wars channel, think about Empire Strikes Back, where you have the middle act, and you have Han and Leia, and you build up what's going on with them, and then once it kind of hits its peak, it's meanwhile back at the ranch, here's what's going on with Luke. And then we see some training with Luke, and once it kind of gets to its little moment, meanwhile back at the ranch, here's what's happening with Han and Leia. And it does that flip-flop back and forth to where it builds one little thing, and then it connects the thoughts back and forth. Dunkirk does this so brilliantly, where you feel like you're in this suspense the entire time, and it's because he places the storylines to connect so that each moment is a little more suspenseful than the next. Even though if you look at it chronologically, this happened here, and then this happened here, and then this happened here, and then this happened here. And if you just told it normally, it would be kind of like, oh, man, that was suspenseful. All right, relax. Oh, that was suspenseful. But he puts it in where, oh, here's a little slightly suspenseful one. Oh, and then this happens here, and then, oh no, this ship's about to crash here, and oh look, this the plane just crashed here, and oh, we just found out that he's going to die here, and and it just can, and it's because he structures them and puts them into a position so that it constantly rises throughout, and you are never taken out of that suspenseful feel, even though you're hopping from air to boat to ground. And it could have been done the same way with this movie where you could have been following the suspense of one character, that a similar type of suspense is following on what's going to happen with this character versus Bucky and them putting the plan together of how they're going to deal with Wakanda and what happens when those people attack, and then it goes over to the planning of what's going to happen with Tony Stark and all of them, and then you could go to, here we go with... Um, Doctor Strange and there's only one thing that we can do and at that point that's the time that Thor gets there and he starts to try to you know sacrifice himself to be able to get the axe and is the axe gonna you know he's gonna kill himself is the axe gonna be able to work this is the Thanos killing thing is this the one thing that Doctor Strange saw that was gonna be able to happen you see what I mean where it could be pieced together a little bit better and I think it would have made it where it was just like a suspense thriller throughout this action-packed kind of event film and I think it was just pieced a little bit wrong. But anyways, I hope I explained that well enough. I know it's kind of hard. I really want to. I would never be able to post it online because I would get it taken down. But I definitely want to buy the DVD when it comes out, break it down, and kind of try to re-edit it myself and see if I can't piece them together in such a way that it strings it along, kind of like I'm mentioning. I wish I could post that on YouTube. If it, if it works out, I'm probably just throwing out ideas that would never work. I actually think I'm going to end part two there. This is going to be shorter than I was planning on this one being, which is fine. But 
after a little bit of thought, I want to do the third act battle scenes kind of together. Um, they actually, for the, for a good bit, do a little bit more of what I said should have happened in the second act in that. And so I'll discuss that, but I also want to discuss some of the tactical ideas that were done in Wakanda and why they were done, why we didn't do some different things and just kind of the overall act three in one whole video. So I guess I kind of did act one and one, act two and another, and act three will be the third is the plan for now. But anyways, thank you very much for watching. If you haven't seen, I did have the part one. And uh, if you haven't seen that, please go check that out. And I will have act three out in the next day or two. That'll kind of cover the whole battle scenes. And then from that point on, I may do some smaller breakdowns, kind of like I did with The Last Jedi, if that's something of interest. Um, I do think this is a much smarter film. I hope that if you didn't pick up on some of the things, some of the stuff that I mentioned in this video did kind of pique your interest of how it's more than just a popcorn flick that could just be passed off. I do think this is going to end up being kind of the Marvels, and some other people have said it um, as well, but I kind of think it's going to be a little bit of the Empire Strikes Back for Marvel. Now, to clarify, Empire Strikes Back is a much, much better film than this one is. And one of the reasons I said that is just, one, they didn't put, it was, it was, a, it was a toned down film, big time toned down film. And we already kind of had an Empire Strikes Back kind of version with Empire, or Empire, <laughs> with uh, Winter Soldier where it was much more toned down. And that's why you have the advantage of being able to really tell the story very well. Um, but when you have so many characters, it becomes harder. And if they would have been able to pull this off and done some of the stuff, like I mentioned, where they've kind of keep that flow in together, then it could have been something huge. But what I think when I say Empire Strikes Back, it's one of these where you end on this cliffhanger, everything's terrible. How are they going to be able to win? A lot of people after seeing it, come out of it thinking like they're kind of frustrated you know they're not happy with the way it ended they're like this is a downer marvel's supposed to be a little bit of a happier thing and so why you know i hate this this is dumb and that's what some people are saying and the difference you know i think is that's the empire strikes back thing where when they see the next part they're gonna be like oh okay wow and as time goes on i think this movie as long as part two's done well which i think it will be done well as long as part two's done well i think this movie will only age well as far as how people view it um because i think most people are just talking about it as a popcorn film and i think it's smarter than that so i think it will age a little bit better now there are issues like i've brought up but i think ultimately it will, more things will develop and we'll see more things happening. Just like when we, after we watch part two and we can kind of really understand all these little things, what exactly they meant, what exactly were they telling, what were they setting up, what were they doing in these moments? I think there's a lot of that in this movie and I'm trying to pick out some of it. I'm again, I'm not a Marvel person, so I'm probably missing on some, but as far as I'm able to pick out and I definitely want to start getting into the Marvel stuff more, uh, it's interested me now, uh, and it's never has before. And right now, Star Wars is kind of on the down for me. So uh, I want to get into something that interests me. I'll still be doing Star Wars, as I mentioned in my prior one. So people that are followers of my channel, don't get worried that I'm just dropping Star Wars off. Maybe you might be happy I'm dropping Star Wars off some, uh, because a lot of people are boycotting it. But anyways, 
I think it will be. I don't think it'll be as good as Empire. Empire is one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. I mean, it's, you know, up there on one of the best technically made, well-structured movies ever. And I think that's where this movie falls short just a little bit, is the structure of some of the things. But anyways, I've mentioned about that enough, and this video is going to be semi-long already anyways. And uh, so I want to go ahead and close that off. And again, I will finish up probably tomorrow, possibly Saturday, I think it is, um, at the latest, Act 3 and the whole battle scenes and everything that goes into it. And if there's anything that you want to talk about down below, look forward to talking to you about that down below. If there's any questions you have, ideas for videos, or you know things that you would like for me to discuss or look into, please comment them down below. And if not, thank you very much for watching. And never forget you nerf herders. I love you.